you know, one of the things that we as parents are continually doing is preparing our kids for a future day, things that are to come in the future. Uh, For example, many parents are preparing their children for graduation. Something my wife does really, really well is every year she gives each of our kids' teachers a book. And in this book, they will write a note to our child praising their character or something about them that is really special. She then holds on to these books so that when our kids graduate, they'll have these books of all of their teachers thanking them for all the things that they've done and the character. It's a really neat little gift. You see, we're preparing them for graduation day. Well, as your pastor, there is a day on your calendar that I'm preparing you for. There's a day in your future that is coming that God has called me to prepare you for. And it is the day in which Jesus comes back for you. Well, what does that day look like? Well, Jesus tells us in Mark 13. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 13. As a faith family, we've been walking through the gospel of Mark together in a sermon series called On the Move. We've seen Jesus on the move throughout the entire gospel in this fast-paced book. We've uh, taken some time to settle in in Mark 13 of, for several weeks, looking at what Jesus is describing as the end of the world. We saw two weeks ago the call to vigilance. Jesus warned of wars and rumors of wars, false messiahs, earthquakes, famine. These are just the beginning of birth pains. Both believers and creation are groaning. We are longing for complete total and final redemption, we see in the text that that is what indeed is coming. You see, the arc of history is long and it bends towards Jesus. There's coming a day when the world will be remade and we will be remade with new glorified bodies and we will never in those glorified bodies get sick or sin or die. You see, that day is coming, but before the last and glorious day, we're to be vigilant. Jesus said that his disciples would experience persecution, but, verse 13, whoever endures to the end will be saved. We saw last week that we we learned that we're to be watchful as the day draws near. We are keeping our eyes on Jesus. As the end of the world comes to a close, things are going to go from bad to worse. There's coming a tribulation of suffering that verse 19 hasn't been from the beginning of creation or until, uh, ne- or until now and never will be again. Then Jesus reaches the climax of his teaching on the Mount of Olives and describes his second coming. Here we see Jesus, the true prophet of God who is foretelling the future. He is displaying the foreknowledge of God of what is to come. And that's what I want us to see this morning in Mark 13, beginning with verse 24. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. 
He will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the heavens. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Jesus here is giving us detail of what his return is going to be like. I want you to notice in the text what this is going to entail. I want you to see first, Jesus' second coming is going to entail cosmic chaos. Cosmic chaos. We see it in verse 24. He says, but in those days after that tribulation... The sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Jesus is describing a time in which the sun will go black. In which the constellations will disintegrate before his return. It's a reversal of the created order that we see in the fourth day of creation. When God put the sun, moon, and stars in the sky to display his glory. You see, Adam's sin not only brought death to mankind, Adam's sin brought death and destruction to the cosmos. All of creation is currently groaning because Adam's sin, tornadoes and earthquakes, famine and stars that burn out in the sky, these are all due to our first parents' sin. And all of the chaos in creation, it's going to be escalating in its frequency and intensity. And what Jesus is foretelling is that after that tribulation, after the tribulation of the Antichrist, the skies that declare the glory of God, the skies that proclaim the work of his hands, they're going to go dark. The prophets foretold of this exact thing. In Amos chapter 3, verse 15, he says, The sun and moon will grow dark, and the stars will cease their shining. In Zechariah 14, he says, On that day there will be no light. The sunlight and moonlight will diminish. Listen to how Luke describes this same section of Jesus' sermon up here on the Mount of Olives in Luke 21. He says, Then there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And there will be anguish on the earth among nations, bewildered by the, roar, the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and expectation of things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So what we see here in the text is before Jesus returns, we're going to see cosmic chaos. But the second thing that we see here is that his second coming entails Christ coming in clouds. Verse 26. It says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Now take note of where Jesus is sitting here in Mark 13, in verse 3. He's there on the Mount of Olives. 
Now, over the course of the next several weeks, Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to be buried. He's going to be raised on the third day. And for more than, uh, for 40 days, he's going to appear to more than uh, 500 people at one time, possibly thousands of people, in which he's proving his resurrection. Jesus bodily appears proving that he is the one who defeated death. He is the one who's going to prove that he is the one who is risen. And then what we're going to see in Acts chapter 1, he gathers his disciples and says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. And then he goes on to say in Acts chapter 1, after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Here in Mark 13, 26, Jesus is pointing forward to the day when he will return right back to the Mount of Olives, right to the very place where he is teaching. When Christy and I were over in Israel a few years ago, we went up to the place where it is presumed where he ascended up into heaven. In fact, I think we've got a picture that I want to show you guys that I took. Um, if we can go to the other picture, Josh, first. I want you all to see this one right here. Okay, so this is a small chapel that was created and in this chapel, it's just a circular little building that was built in the fourth century. And the roof, architecturally, it was designed without a roof. Because it was this, hey, he left from here and he's coming back in the same location. You fast forward to the 12th century, Muslims come in, they take over Israel, and they built a dome over top. Why? Because they wanted to prevent the Messiah from coming back. And my thought when I saw that roof was, well, that's cute. <laughs> you think the one who made the heavens and the earth is intimidated by a small roof? And I took this picture above the, the roof that that's where Jesus is going to be coming back from. Those are the skies directly above that location. But don't miss what Jesus is doing here, y'all. He's doing something much bigger. He's pointing to himself in his return as the fulfillment of what the prophet Daniel said would happen. In Daniel chapter 7, he says, I continued watching in the night visions, and then suddenly, watch this, one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. You see, Jesus is the Son of Man who is coming in the clouds with great power and glory. In his first coming, he came humble. He arrived in the backwoods of Bethlehem. Only a few people recognized him. But in his second coming, he's coming back with power and glory. Every eye will see him and the entire world will recognize him. This should fire you up. If there's anything worth getting excited over, it's this. Jesus is coming back. Everybody will see him. 
The same God who led his people in the desert by a cloud by day. The same God who met with Moses on Mount Sinai in a cloud. The same God who appeared to Peter, James, and John in a cloud on the Mount of Transfiguration is coming back in a cloud. And he is going to return and he is going to rescue his bride. And he is going to call us so that we who are in this world covered and marred in sin, we're going to be rescued. This is good news for us. If there's reason for you to wake up tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. with joy, ready to tackle with whatever's in front of you, it's this reality. Jesus is coming back. And he's going to come and rescue you, and he's going to bring you to himself. And here's the thing, everybody's going to see it. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, John says, look, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. There's coming a day in which Jesus will bodily, physically return to earth with great power and glory. So what does this mean? It means this, the return of Christ, it means final rescue for believers and final ruin for unbelievers. See, as followers of Christ, this is the day that we look forward to. This is what we're anticipating. This is what we long for. This day in which our Savior comes for us. This is the day we have eager expectation for we will finally be rescued from this world. He will rescue us. We will experience final redemption and we will see him and be with him forever the one whom our soul longs for we're going to see him and we're going to be with him verse 26 they will see the son of man he will be visible and this is a great and glorious day if today you're discouraged disheartened without hope let this truth resonate in your heart every day we are one day closer to Jesus coming back for us. Jesus has not forgotten you. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he loves you, beloved. He will be with you even to the end of the age. And he's coming back for you. And every day we are one day closer. One day closer for him coming back for us. And y'all, there is nothing more important than this day. Now, some of you are thinking, you know, that sounds great and all. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. But you know what? I'd kind of like to get my driver's license first. If I can just get my license, then you know what? I think that would be good. I'll be right. Well, wait a minute. Uh, You know what? Actually, I'd like to graduate. If I can just graduate then Jesus can come back and I'll be good. But you know what? Hang on a minute. College sounds kind of fun. Uh, I'd like to have the opportunity to experience that, that next level of life, the next season. So tell you what, uh, Lord, let me get through the next season of life, and then I'll be okay with, but you know what, marriage sounds pretty great. If I can just find a spouse, someone whom I love, give us a year to enjoy one another, and then Jesus, you can come, well, wait a minute, I'd like to have kids. If I can just have some kids have babies, I would really like to be a mom or a dad. Let me just experience that, Lord, and then I'll be okay. But you know, I'd like to see him grow up. Lord, if you can just wait until my children grow, then I'll be, wait a minute, I'd like to get that promotion. 
I've been working really hard trying to get to that next pay level at my job. Jesus, let me go ahead and get to that next level, and then I'll be okay. Wait a minute. I want to see my kids graduate. Okay, I've put in a lot of time here, Jesus, and I want to see them get to the finish line. So if you could just wait until they graduate, wait a second, you know what? Retirement sounds pretty amazing. I've put in all this effort, you know, for these last several decades. I'd like to, regret, like to retire, get settled in, enjoy that for a few years. And then, you know what? Grandkids sounds awesome. I want a bunch of grandbabies. So, Jesus, if you could just wait until after that, once I retire, I get to enjoy my, my grandbabies, and then you can come back. What? <laughs> what do you want more than this day? If there is a day you want more than this day, you've just identified an idol. There's nothing more important than this day right here. This is the day that you and I are to be longing for, the day we're looking forward to with anticipation and eagerness. It's a day in which we get to be with Jesus, our faith becomes sight, and this is what our heart longs for. And though kids and marriage and promotions and grandbabies are good gifts, they are not ultimate. Jesus is ultimate. Your allegiance is to him first and above all. And as a Christ follower, our final rescue is coming. So let's anticipate and long for Jesus' great and glorious return. Now, if you do not know Jesus, this is a terrible day. There is no escape. All that awaits is total and complete ruin. There's coming a day in which God will bring a reckoning on this earth and final judgment, and it will fall, and there will be no mercy. You can run, but you can't hide. Nothing can save you on that last day if you do not know Jesus, not even your money. Zephaniah says in Zephaniah 1, their silver and their gold will be unable to rescue them on the day of the Lord's wrath. The whole earth will be consumed by the fire of his jealousy. For he will make complete, yes, a horrifying end of all the inhabitants of the earth. Judgment is coming. Run to Jesus and be saved. Believe the gospel and be rescued. There's nothing more important than this. That you can be saved from the coming judgment of, of Jesus by putting your faith in Jesus now. You can be rescued from coming judgment because Jesus was judged for you at the cross. For it was at the cross, the full wrath of God for your sin was laid upon his son. It is at the cross where God shows and displays his perfect love for you. For it is at the cross, God makes a way so that you don't have to be terrified of what's coming on the last day. You will be rescued, you will be safe, you will be home, you will be with Jesus. If you don't know Christ today, repent, turn from your sin and trust in him. I mean, there's nothing more important than this. The world will tell you there's a lot of important things happening right now. There's a lot of important things coming up in your future. Hear me, there's nothing more important than this. Make sure you get this right. 
Make sure you're banking your soul upon Christ and what he has come to do for you in the gospel. Christ is coming. Believe upon Jesus and you will be saved. I want you to note here in the text, thirdly, that Jesus' second coming will entail Christ's followers being gathered by angels. Verse 27, he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. You can see the picture here of verse 27. It's an army of heavenly hosts who will be commissioned by Jesus to assemble God's elect, all who believe the gospel. God will show compassion on his people. He will gather all of his people from the farthest horizons. I love how the prophet Isaiah described it. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. From Alaska to Australia, from Canada to Cambodia, from Mexico all the way to Mongolia, from, from Laos to lower Alabama. The angels will come and they will gather the redeemed. If you are in Christ, this is you. Right here, the text is talking about you. Grab hold of this. No matter where you are in the world, on the last day, God will send his angels to come and get you. You do not need to worry. Does the Lord know where my body is? He knows. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. You don't have to wring your hands in trepidation that if for whatever reason you die and your body is somewhere, the Lord's like, well, where did he go? No, he knows. He'll commission his angels to come and get your body. Well, what does this moment look like? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the gospel, in the same way through Jesus... God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, okay, those who have died. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. But what about those peoples whose bodies have been burned to ashes? What about those who have been drowned in the ocean? Don't you worry. God will reassemble and resurrect all bodies buried burned or at the bottom of the sea. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 13, the apostle John says, the sea is gonna one day give up the dead that were in it. Whether it's due to a tragic shipwreck or it's the spreading of a loved one's ashes in the ocean, angels will gather God's people and he's gonna, the Lord is gonna bring us through these angels into the very presence of God. God will not forget you. He knows where you are at all times. 
When you die, your soul goes to be with him in heaven. Your body stays here. It falls apart. It disintegrates over time. But you see on the last day, oh, this is so good. Here we go. Your soul, which is with Christ, will be reunited with your body. And that is where you will take on a glorified body. Paul says it like this in Philippians 3. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself, right? See, there's coming a day in which our bodies, though they're, they're falling away, they're wasting away, Paul calls them in 2 Corinthians, our earthly tent, this body that you're wearing right now is going to fade and spoil, it's going gonna, it's gonna to perish, but our souls, which are eternal and immortal, if you're in Christ, you go to be with Christ, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So the moment you take your last breath, you're with Christ. Then your body, which is laid into the ground, will one day, the Lord will bring them back together and give you a glorified body. And this is what's coming in our future. But then Jesus illustrates the reality of his second coming with a simple analogy. Just as you can tell that summer is near based upon the fig tree, verse 28. So you can tell what is about to happen if you're prepared and if you're paying attention. Just as you know that when the the corn grows knee high, it's near the 4th of July. You, You know that when the leaves fall from the trees, it's almost winter. You know that when there's a cool crispness in the air, it's almost football season. Jesus says, verse 29, in the same way. In the same way, when you see these things happening, when you see the Antichrist in the temple, when you see cataclysmic catastrophe, when you see false messiahs who perform signs and wonders, when you see earthquakes and famine and war, when you see these things happening, recognize he is near. He's at the door. Have you ever known someone who can't read, or read the room? You know, the room is really a group of people who are sad, and they come in, and they tell jokes. Or there's a, a quiet hush across the room, and they get loud and boisterous. And you just want to put your arm around them and say, Buddy, will you please read the room? What Jesus is saying here is, read the room. Read the situation. Recognize the times. When you see what's happening around you, when you see the world events happening in the way that I'm describing for you, grab hold of this. I am near, standing at the door. And when it happens, it's going to be quick. He says, verse 30, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Now, what does Jesus mean by this generation? Is he talking about those four disciples? Is he talking about the Jewish people as a whole? Is he talking about the Roman attack coming in 70 AD? I think it's clear that Jesus is talking about the generation of people who are alive when all of these things take place. He says it back to back. Look at verse 29. When you see these things happening, again in verse 30, until all these things take place. 
Jesus is saying that the generation who is alive at the time of the tribulation, when the Antichrist takes his place in the temple, that generation will not pass away until everything is completed, which means it's going to happen quickly. It's going to go by fast. It's going to be fast-paced, which points to verse 20. Those days being cut short for the sake of the elect. So all of this is going to happen quickly. And you can, please grab hold of this, 100% count on what Jesus is saying here. I put this in your notes. Jesus' words are certain, reliable, guaranteed, and 100% true. Verse 31 Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. There's coming a day when this earth is going to dissolve like snow. This terrestrial ball that we are riding on right now is going to one day dissolve. The Lord is going to remake this earth into something that is new. Just as we will receive a new glorified body, the Lord will bring a new heavens and a new earth. This earth is not permanent. As we saw back in verses 24 and 25, they're going to pass away. Isaiah 40, verse 8, says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. You see, all of creation is going to pass away, but Jesus' words remain forever. Jesus' words are more enduring than creation itself, which means you can bank your soul upon the words of Christ, that the word of God is far more enduring than creation, that you can trust in what the Lord is saying to you because the word of God stands forever. So... That leaves me to ask you two questions. I think they are the most important questions. The first question I want you to ask yourself is this. Am I ready for the last day? Are you ready for the last day? If you are not, run to Jesus. Believe the gospel. Trust in him. There's nothing more important than this, than getting yourself ready for this coming day. If you are ready for the last day, you've banked your soul upon Christ. You've believed the gospel. The second question I want to ask you is, Who am I preparing for the last day? Who are you taking with you? Who are you investing in? The day of the Lord is coming. We're one day closer than we were yesterday. Who are you bringing with you? Who are you investing your life into so that on the last day they can answer question number one? I'm ready because I know Christ. You see, there's a book 
in which God has written. That helps prepare you for the last day. Are you ready? Do you know Jesus? If not, today, turn from your sin and trust in him. If you do know Jesus, would you say today, God, with my brief time that I have left, oh, these next several months, if you give me years of a beating heart and a body to use and to live and worship for your glory, God, would you let me to use this to answer question number two? to take as many people as possible and to help get them ready for the last day. Because there's coming a day in which the eastern skies are gonna split and the Son of Man will be coming on the clouds and he is gonna come and rescue and bring his church into final redemption. Like a bridegroom coming for his bride. He's coming to rescue and to save and to redeem all who have believed the gospel. This is true and it's coming. So are you ready? And if you are, who are you bringing with you? 